that was over. You guys can take All right. the rest. Oh, yep. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So it's the day after Christmas, and uh, uh, Tom Burke brought some awesome French toasts here. And uh, now I'm going to read the Gospel reading for tomorrow. This is a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. When, when the days were completed for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they took him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord, and to offer the sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, in accordance with the dictate in the law of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, awaiting the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Christ of the Lord. He came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform the custom of the law in regard to him, he took him into his arms and blessed God, saying, Now, Master, you may let your servant go in peace, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in sight of all the peoples light for revelation to the Gentiles, and glory for your people, Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them, and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be contradicted, and you yourself a sword will pierce, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived seven years with her husband after her marriage, and then as a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day with fasting and prayer. And coming forward at that very time, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had fulfilled all the prescriptions of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. That's the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Wonderful Christmas. Um, you know, just the way the way time is condensed uh, in the early part of Jesus Christ's life. Uh, you know, right away, you go from the infancy to um, you know um, going into the temple on the eighth day. Is that what the, you read there? The yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. and then um, and then there, there are allusions to uh, you know the uh, early years of. You know, him being a child, you know, three, four, five, six, seven years of age. And so, um, you know, not much is written about his uh, childhood. You know, this is a key event. And so you just get the, uh, the important part is not the, uh, the actual uh, 
details of the story of a childhood, but just the idea that um, that um, seems that the uh, gospel is leading up to um, well, when he was twelve, in the incident at the temple, and then the next next thing you hear is at the baptism with John the Baptist. So there there are large gaps of time following the uh, story of Christmas and the aftermath of Christmas. And uh, you have a gap from there to 12 years of age, and then the other gap from 12 to age 30, where not much is, um, nothing really is written about in Scripture, because it's, it's kind of like, it's not, uh, I don't want to say irrelevant, but it's not, um, <clears throat> it's not part of the, um, the salvation history part, would begin, which begins with the, um, in earnest with the public uh, ministry. So... It seems like it just seems a little bit. It's it tongues at the tongues at the heartstrings a little bit that you know that um, that more more time isn't spent describing the childhood and the infancy maybe, but but um, that's just not part of the uh, scriptures. Yeah, maybe it's because uh, like I don't know, like I think uh, that was like their family time and stuff. So so yeah. it's like they didn't want to be a reality television show or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think uh, the what you call it. Um, uh, I like this gospel reading because uh, I think of it as a um, uh, like a bridge between uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Like you know, uh, uh, this guy Simeon, he, you know, he, uh, you know, worshiped God and was upright. And here, Joseph and Mary are you know following the law of Moses, which I think is like your firstborn son is always consecrated to God, and so that's what. This is they you know, present their firstborn son uh, to God and, and and fulfillment of the law and then and then uh, you know I guess Simeon his relationship with God was such that you know, God told him that you know uh, you'll see the Christ you'll see the Messiah and and, uh, and you know because of his relationship with God he knows God's you know always trustworthy and stuff so he's lived a long life and. Uh, and and now he, um, he, he he you know recognizes that you know that that this is the time that, that Jesus is the Messiah and they brought them here and uh, another thing that I always think about in this one because I don't fully understand it is uh, when he tells the Blessed Virgin Mary that um, the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed I um, like I think that. Uh, Angels you know, can like you know basically read our thoughts and give us thoughts and and and, and so like, I really think that like part of the uh, supernatural uh, uh, stuff is that like I do think all our like you know it's like our our hearts uh, are are revealed and uh, I don't know it's interesting I like you know I guess Jesus he draws everyone to himself and. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's this very mysterious uh, passage there, I think. I hear a lot of the uh, Old Testament. You talk about the bridge to the New Testament. And I, I still feel today that people, for whatever reason, uh, still adhere to a lot of the Old Testament. Uh, just, it's just an observation. Nice, you know, and John was mentioning this person at the laundromat who is, uh, you know, welcoming to people, um, and he mentioned that he was Jewish. I was like, it sounds like, you know, 
not only is he following the uh, probably the letter of the law, it's the it's the you know the spirit of the law, like you know, uh, you know, loving your neighbor, being kind to one another. And I'm guessing you can always be Jewish, follow. There's a whole long list of items that they try to follow each and every day. But in addition to that, I don't see why you can't believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I, I feel you like still you, be Jewish. I feel like you can do do both. I don't know much about it, but if you Google Jews for Jesus, there are groups out there who are Jewish. They follow the old old law, and they also follow Jesus Christ. Well, I guess uh, these two uh, figures described in this reading, the gospel reading, you could say that they were uh, part of the uh, the uh, so-called uh, not the so-called. They are. It's a real group. The Messianic. Uh, Jewish people or Messianic Jews. So in other words, they believed in Jesus as the Messiah, but yet they retained their uh, their Jewish faith. Yeah. And then Simeon died. You know, he, he, the inference is that he, he passes away after uh, holding the child. And then the, the maybe the, the older woman also was uh, up in age. But they're, I don't know too much about the Messianic Jews, but they, they retain their Jewish faith, but they do believe that, um, that there is... Uh, that there is a lot of truth in um, describing Jesus as the uh, Messiah. Um, so uh, that would be something that maybe some others here might know about, but um, that is an interesting uh, theme. And um, of course you have the, uh, there, there, is a, there is a group called the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews, you know, and they, there was an infomercial on television where um, where uh, this Jewish woman is openly advocating for Christians to uh, to be uh, to give donations and support Jewish people who live in these very barren areas of Russia and the former Eastern Bloc that have uh, you know don't have too many uh, creature comforts and they get uh, they buy them food boxes and they buy them uh, necessities so that they can live out their lives. Um, you know, in these areas, and uh, you know they are dying out. They they don't have many descendants, so so there is a need to uh, to meet their uh, physical needs for another period of 10, 20, 30 years. Um, but there is that partnership between um, you know a lot of the evangelical Christian groups. They they make no they make no bones about you know supporting Israel full full scale. You know full. Uh, you know, they're entirely behind Israel and what they're about, and the Jewish people and what they're about. So, Another thing, as Simeon said to Mary, that, and you yourself, uh, uh, was like a sword shall pierce, uh, uh, before he says that thing about the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed, and, you know, on this miraculous medal, it has the, uh, you know, uh, the sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary, and, you know, the Heart Mary has this word through it. When did the, is it called the Feast of Innocence? Is that, or what comes right after Christmas? Is it yeah, the, I saw that in here. It's like, I think they're considered martyrs, or like holy martyrs. Yeah, did, does that come like the day, day after Christmas, or was that the Feast of, of Stephen? I think it depends on the day of the year for some of these feasts. So, like today, December twenty sixth is the feast of 
Saint Stephen. I don't know oh, when the ho Holy Martyrs is, but Holy it is, Innocence maybe you know, next week. I can yeah. look if you want. I'm not, it's, uh, yeah, that, 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 that's okay because I, I just remembered that distinctively is that uh, you know we have the celebration of the birth of Christ, great, and and then I remember boom, it hard hitting right after that. The first martyr, I guess, was Stephen, who was stoned to death, and and bang, that you know we, we we get hit with that like the next day, and. Uh, you know that that that's that's pretty harsh to go from the you know wonderful birth of Christ to you know the uh, the uh, the stoning of Stephen with Saul holding the coats and then uh, you know uh, later like I guess it's like next week or whenever the uh, the you know feast of the Holy Innocence where Herod you know he was determined to uh, kill the Christ child and uh, uh, had you know baby slaughtered like that so that was it was hard it was tough times back then and just to continue on with what mark just said um, this little piece is called the little blue book uh, these are out there for advent lent and some other times of the year but once again it's called the little blue book and the reflection today from augustine institute uh, tim gray is the president and he does a daily reflection and that's exactly what he talked about today is St. Stephen, who, like you said, Mark, is the first martyr. And uh, Tim Gray referred to the following, uh, which pretty much is the sentiments, I'm guessing, of St. Stephen. And this is Psalms 31, 16 to 17. Listen to these words. This is, once again, Psalm 31, 16 to 17. Try to picture yourselves in St. Stephen's, I guess, sandals at the time. And um, this is something that he might have said um, when he was being martyred. My destiny is in your hands. Rescue me from my enemies, from the hands of my pursuers. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your mercy. I mean, it's from the Psalms, but I mean, that sounds like something he might have been saying. And that's what... Um, the reflection talked about today from Augustine Institute is about St. Stephen being the first martyr, like you said, Mark, after Christmas. So what's that supposed to be, a foretelling of the, uh, the first? Uh, I mean, Stephen's not mentioned by name there, right? No, it's not. So that's, uh, I think the Psalms, the Psalms were all written by, uh, by King David. By David I believe King so, David. yeah. Mm -hmm. So he probably had some, um, some insight, some uh, foretelling of that. St. Stephen is my, uh, it's like my confirmation name. Yeah. I couldn't remember if that was you or Timothy. Stephen is you, yeah. and Timothy is? Jo uh, Matthew. The phone call, Matthew to Stephen. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Oh, wow, so that's your confirmation name, Stephen. Yeah, yeah. Just another thing that came to mind today just watching some video reflections and reading some other ones before I came here with, with you guys is Advent seems to be a really hustle and bustle time of the year for many people. Even when I was in line a couple of days ago, I heard somebody say, it might've been a mother, you know, I just can't wait until Christmas is over. <laughs> that is not the spirit of Christmas. <laughs> I didn't say a word, but maybe I should have. I, I think we have to remember to slow down and to really think about what the Advent season is all about. 
it's to prepare our hearts, minds, and souls for for the birth of Jesus Christ, which we celebrated yesterday, and we believe that he is our Lord and Savior. And today is the second day of the Christmas season. So anybody who listens to this down the road, Christmas starts on obviously Christmas Day, December 25th, but the Christmas season continues this year until January 8th, uh, which is a Sunday, and that's when we celebrate the, the baptism of our Lord. So we are now in the Christmas season, so we need to be joyous. Um, I don't think we need to feel that, oh, I'm so glad that Christmas is over, <laughs> because yeah. Christmas is now. Yeah. We're in the moment of Christmas right now. Advent is up until Christmas Day, and then the Christmas season is from Christmas until the baptism of our Lord. Yeah, wonderful. wonderful. <laughs> yeah, people, people put themselves under this false pressure uh, that you know, certain things have to get done within a certain period of time. You know, it almost starts to feel like work. And uh, that's, that's probably not what the season is about. Yeah. Well, this year, because of the, uh, because of, uh, you know, FedEx and UPS couldn't hire enough workers for their, uh, their hubs where they sort the packages out. So, uh, well, for example, my sister just said that she had sent some food Cookies. She liked making cookies to uh, my aunt, aunt and uncle, my uncle, my father's youngest brother down in Jacksonville, Florida. She sent them on December 13th, and uh, she has a way of tracking. You know, she's given a number so she can, she can track it. I don't know how she does that, but there's a way of doing it. And uh, as of uh, my phone call to her yesterday afternoon on Christmas Day, um, you know, the package uh, probably won't arrive until five days after uh, Christmas. So a lot of these, um, a lot of these parcels and a lot of these uh, gifts. But so what? So what if it gets there uh, four or five days? It's not a big, not a big deal. I don't really, I, I don't, you know, you know, you can take it to, you can, you know, I haven't done much Christmas shopping the last number of years, but, um, but the other extreme is doing, you know, wanting to buy every, all these things for everybody and wanting them to arrive on time. Mm -hmm. And then Christmas day comes and goes. And, um, and you end up putting a lot of pressure on yourself, which is um, uh, kind of a needless worry, to be quite blunt about it. You know, so if like a food item or a gift, you know, food items, gonna, it's cookie, so it's going to keep. It's not going to spoil, uh, not perishable in that regard, except it was it arrived you know, three months later. And then anything involving uh, like a clothing item or something you can use, if it, if it arrives on the 30th, um, it's the thought that counts. So it's not a big deal. I always had uh, difficulty with the whole idea of, uh, of of the gift giving stuff. Like it is really nice to receive a gift. Like I, I got a uh, sticker from my niece, and I was like, I thought this was really nice for her to give me. And it was just like something small, but um, at the same time, I uh, like I don't know for for Christmas. I've always been like, oh. I should give people gifts where they can then give stuff to other people, or like I feel like it should be. Rather than, um, you know, like I, even before I had this, you know, kind of like a reversion experience and came back to the church, even before that, I would give people like um, uh, kind of like kind of like charity gift cards where then they would have to, you know, give the money to other people. And I feel like that's probably, I, I don't know, I feel like that's the best type of gift. I try to, you know, it's Jesus' birthday. 
pretty sure he would, you know, want everyone to, you know, reach out to one another. And I guess people try to do that with the like the Santa Claus type gift giving, but I feel like it it's easy for that to get, you know, kind of like perverted so that it's just like I'm just doing it for my family, or or like you said, it's like I gotta, you know, they they stress out about stuff and it, and it becomes you know less about um, you know the uh, you know, d doing good and more about I don't know I don't even know what it turns into. Well, I can I can keep uh, going with what you just said, Keith, because. Uh, you guys, um, I think, know that um, the gift of your time is one of the biggest things I think you can give somebody. Sure. It's it's us right now, you know, enjoying fellowship for about an hour, reading the gospel, talking about the gospel, talking about Christmas, and uh, reaching out and helping others. And um, so that's that's I think a big thing is is the fact that if you can show people that. Uh, the gift of your time for them, whether it be something we're doing right now or uh, something similar to that, I, th I think that's great. I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. One is um, my family members ask, you know, this is several weeks before Christmas, uh, going back to Black Friday, which is a big thing in this country. The shopping, you know, Dad, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? Even for my other relatives. And to me, it's, it's very simple uh, in terms of uh, what gifts maybe my kids or family members can give to me for Christmas. They know what I'm going to do every single year. So I, now I don't work for the following. Anybody listens to this, but um, I go to knightsgear.com, which is the Knights of Columbus, their website. And I pick out a few things that are Knights gear. It could be a shirt. It could be a jacket. It could be a hat. Um, I also go to christianbook.com. It's all faith-based items. And I pick out a bunch of stuff there. And if you do something like that, number one, the person getting you that gift feels nice about giving you that gift. And it's something that's faith-based. You're going to enjoy it. It's not going to be something where you look at it. You kind of react a certain way to make the other person feel good about the gift they just gave you, even though you don't like it. But, you know, you, you, you kind of react the fact that you do like that gift. And then you set that gift aside and you probably won't even wear it or look at it forever. You might even give it away. <laughs> But, but, um, but that's one thing to keep in mind in terms of what you can do. But, but getting back to the gift of time, um, I truly enjoy like doing gifts that are gifts of time. I, I so enjoy making those Christmas cookies, which I know you guys partook of already. I, I don't think there's any left. <laughs> Although, you know what? You guys don't know this. Oh, yeah, got another but here's another container oh. of the of the Burke Christmas I'm cookies. Big, this guy is just full of. I mean, I mean, I, I hope your your other daughter gets engaged real quick. That's wonderful. Chocolate chip, oatmeal raisin, and sugar cookies. Uh, and if Mark, you can give us. I don't want to say the title incorrectly. Can you quickly grab that that Mother Teresa book and just tell folks it's to your left. This one here. Right? Doesn't cost one. much, but I took some time to get those for family and friends. And the book is called? Uh, Do Something Beautiful for God. It's it's a daily quote, my friends, of Mother Teresa. And if you want to live your life a certain way, oh my goodness. If you want to grow closer to Jesus Christ, if you want to live out your life the way he lived his, I would say grab this book. It's uh, put out there by Dynamic Catholic. You can reach them at dynamiccatholic.com. It's called Do Something Beautiful for God. But that's just something small that I did, but it's it's a really 
neat gift in the sense that like all of us can benefit just from that one little book. Yeah, just some ideas to throw out there for um, what, what for what's contained things. in there? Do they do they make suggestions? Yeah, it has one for yeah. each day. It's like oh, one for each day. It's like it's a an example. Here. Pick one. Just randomly pick one. Go ahead. Oh, that's right. Mark may have some difficulty reading that. I mean, <laughs> wow. Try? I yeah. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll look Pick up. a page. Just I'm gonna look up today's. Okay. <laughs> this was not planned. Let's see what today's is. Yeah. Oops. Oh, okay. okay. December twenty sixth. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and we're always gonna remember Christmas to twenty twenty. Right, here's the reflection for December twenty sixth. It says, "Am I convinced of God's love for me and mine for Him? This conviction is the sunlight that makes the sap of life rise." Something to meditate on. Are you convinced of God's love for you and your love for him? I mean, I'll, I'll keep going with that. Uh, if if you read scripture, mainly the four gospels, and you learn about what Christ did to teach us how to live and the fact that he forgives us of our sins and the fact that he died a brutal death on a cross, hung on that cross for several hours, to forgive us of our sins so that after we pass away physically, we can be with him for all of eternity. I mean, if you know that, I would say yes <laughs> to what uh, Keith just read from Mother Teresa. Yeah, I know me personally, I, I can get like bogged down in this mindset of, uh, of kind of like um, a workforce mentality where it's like, I just feel like I got to, I uh, do stuff all the time, and uh, I, but I do have, I, I think I probably don't meditate enough on, on you know, God's love for, for me. Instead, I'm always thinking of, like, I don't know, I look at it as, like, I got to do a bunch of stuff in my short time on earth, even though that's my own kind of thing. I got to figure out why that is. Well, there's one, I'm not sure if it's in the book you just read, but uh, one thing that Mother Teresa said one time was, on a given day, Instead of trying to fit my prayer life into the busyness of every day, maybe I can try to take um, that busy day each and every day and fit it into my prayer life for that day. She kind of flips it upside down. Um, and it's tough. But I, I think what it comes down to in terms of focusing on, on God is you, just like anything else in life, whether it be work or go buy groceries or cook or clean or whatever it is, you have to try to find time you have to make the time is what it comes down to because i mean all of us here and myself included um, i'm guessing we've said it a few times during our lifetimes is that you know i was too busy for that i didn't have time for this uh, you know I, I i couldn't get this done because of such and such but i think if you really sit down and think about it and plan out maybe prayer within your day or you know reaching out and helping others in any way that you can and then keep doing that day after day after day, you know, it'll become routine. It's tough, but I think if we all, you know, begin it at a certain point and then try it, maybe it'll work. Very good. Very good. So think about something we could do every day to give to God. Or to... to you know, remember that God loves you and uh, and to love God. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the order she founded, um, 
you know, they do a lot of work in India and they have other uh, locations. You know, this is Mother Teresa is what I'm referring to. You know, I think the number of uh, nuns that are professed to uh, her order is um, somewhere around uh, 4,000. So from her original idea, you know, to leave the, uh, to, uh, to remove herself from teaching uh, upper caste children of Indian Christians, she took herself away from that and she founded the, this order to help uh, the poorest of the poor who were left out on the street. And they took them in. And, um, and now they have other, uh, other out outreaches in other countries. I think they, there might be a couple of, um, there might be some in the United States and other countries. So it, it expanded uh, quite a bit from, the, um, from around 1950. And they've been around for about 70 years. And they have a very uh, high number of uh, locations, and they, and they continue to get them because uh, they feel that um, that it's a relevant lifestyle. Uh, especially seeing what's happening, you know, still in India right now, still there's a lot of poor people who are not considered to be too important. So she's living out. Uh, that order lives out the gospel in that way. Yeah, I might have said it at one of the men's space sharing groups at St. John's on a given weekend that I learned this not too long ago is the fact that she started her uh, her ministry in her in her forties. Which, when I read that, I'm like, is is that correct? She was in her forties when she started this in terms of reaching out to the poorest of the poor. So, I mean, she did a ton of stuff up until then, but I'm not sure how how, how old she was when she passed away, but. That's pretty cool. I mean, that, that pretty much said to me that you can you can start something that's faith-based anytime during your lifetime, whether you're 20, 50, 85, it doesn't matter. You can start anytime. Yeah, I mean, and, you yeah. can, and just like, uh, you know, James Michener didn't write his first book, you know, Tales of the South Pacific, until he was in his early 40s. That's amazing. And then he proceeded to write uh, 45 books until the time of his death. You know, the average length of uh, one book is, uh, you know, approximately uh, 800 pages. That's amazing. So he wrote 45 books and um, historical fiction. That's how he wrote. And he was able to finance his career by the fact that uh, Tales of the South Pacific, when he was a, he was a radio operator as a Quaker, he, didn't, he wasn't participating in killing people, but he was a radio operator. And he, he heard about all these uh, stories from the South Pacific Islands. And then from from that was developed into the uh, the famous um, musical uh, South Pacific. Mm -hmm. And so once that, once the rights were bought for that, that financed his next book, and then he became popular through the Book of the Month Club, and he was able to um, he was able to do uh, to 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 move to different areas of the country and write books of historical fiction. But he didn't he didn't publish his first book until he was uh, forty two. So, you know, that's, that's another example of somebody um, finding their uh, calling yeah, at that age. And uh, nice. Mother Teresa was the same. And then Mother Teresa's, you know, I'm sure uh, Mary Scullion, the founder of Project Home, was inspired by uh, Mother Teresa. She was driving back and forth where she was doing ministry, and she saw all these homeless men in Philadelphia. And that led her to, uh, to family. Uh, that led her to the um, to develop and um, and start Project Home, 
which took place in the um, in the last half of the uh, 1980s. So that's been around for about um, coming up on uh, 35 years, and um, that's uh, that's a that's a world famous uh, you know organization in Philadelphia, and they do a lot of good work there to help uh, homeless men, and a lot of lives have been turned around. So that's how she applied. Uh, you know, instead of uh, doing what she was doing, she felt that she was called to do this, and. Um, so uh, she's very vibrant, very vital still, and she's uh, still, she has all, you know, the way she goes, she, she's a mile a minute, yeah. so, you know. But she probably um, read about the example of Mother Teresa leaving, teaching high-privileged girls, going to help the course of the poor. And I think, I think Mary Scully may have been involved in medical or uh, maybe teaching also. So she uh, got a dispensation from the... Uh, it might have been it was probably Cardinal Kroll start uh, Project Home, you know, and was able to uh, build it up to what it is today. I think she was. Um, I think she's one of she was voted one of the most one hundred influential people in the recent Time Magazine uh, poll. I think she's listed in that uh, top one hundred, which she doesn't care about. Right. But um, because her her model for uh, getting people out of homelessness to uh, viability has been uh, followed uh, or copied worldwide at this point. She gives, she goes around giving uh, talks about that, you know, over in Europe, Australia, South America, you know, different places like that. Yeah, I think, I think all of us, I mean, I think about this all the time. Sometimes you, you think about something you want to do to help others, and you feel like it's just too big a thing to do, too big, to, too big of a project, too big of an event. But... I think the one thing that I have to do is, and all of us need to do is to, is to start off small, you know, like all those examples you gave John, I'm, I'm sure both of them, the author and then the, the nun, they, they, they probably started, started off small. If you look at, uh, this just came to mind. There's a program in Trenton called the loaves and fishes program. And if you guys know nothing about it, uh, it's, uh, it started 40 some years ago. Don't quote me, but it was 40 to 50 years ago. It was a woman in Trenton who gave out a few meals to some people around Thanksgiving. And then it has, it, it, it has grown to this day where the last two Saturdays of every month at St. Mary's Cathedral in Trenton, they host uh, anywhere between two and 400 people for a meal. Uh, they have two sittings. Uh, the first sitting is a breakfast sitting. It's maybe one to 200 and then they leave and then some come back, but others uh, who weren't there at the first sitting come back. And that's just amazing. But it started off small. You know, that, that's the main point. You have to start off small. And then hopefully through prayer and diligence and hard work, it can grow to something as big as like the examples that you said or what Mother Teresa did or what so many people have done in time. I think this setting here is starting off small. And this is the first time in, in, in a long time that I can remember uh, setting up, you know, the Advent. Uh, we lit the first candle, the second candle, the third, and now we're up to five, and we're in the eight-day octave now. And I, I think this would really be good to be able to continue this, you know, once the Christmas season, you, you go through it, and okay, we'll put away the Advent wreath, we'll put away the four candles, but we can still have a candle in the middle, maybe, and the fellowship can continue year-round. 
And that is because it's very special to have the year here. And hey, great, you brought the French toast. That was a, that was very, very. You're cool. welcome. And uh, <laughs> uh, but, but but I'm just saying that 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 this is something that I think could springboard, and that after the octave, you could continue with fellowship and continue with prayer and take it all the way through the year uh, until the next Advent comes comes or comes around. And, and I think that that's special to be able to have something that could be continuous. And, you know, if you're, if you show up fine, if you're not, that's fine too, but it'll be here. And, and this is something that, uh, you know, it's a simple advent wreath with candles and to gather around like this, to have the fellowship. And, uh, it, it, to me, to, to me, it's very, it's very special. And it, uh, uh, shows, you know, the, the, the advent, the manger, and uh, you know, properly ordered, uh, and and uh, uh, you know, you, you, you see the Christmas tree in the background with some lights on it. Maybe, maybe not, because you don't have to worry about getting every last bulb and every last branch together and stuff like that. Um, it's right around here with this fellowship table, and uh, it, to me, it's very special. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, the one thing that any of the four of us can do is is to do what Christ did is is just spread the word. Um, it's great that the four of us can get together occasionally, maybe one okay. maybe once or twice a month for fellowship, read the gospel, talk about the gospel, talk about how we can live our lives the way Christ did. But but the thing is, you have to reach out and tell other people what we're doing here. Uh, because we, we can do this and just hide and just not live out our faith. But uh, the thing is, I believe you have to reach out and, um, and tell others about it. Because you want others, I believe, to experience what you're experiencing in terms of our faith. Good? That's okay. So I have a great time while we're here and uh, for many reasons. But... It's, it's a good idea, I think, if we reach out to others and say, listen, um, this is what we do. This might interest you. Is this something you might think about in terms of maybe forming your own, uh, if you want to call it a faith formation group, you can call this group, you know, whatever you want. But this, this is a small group. I mean, it's what Christ did. He had, what, 12 guys he picked, handpicked? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, Christ had small group with his 12 apostles all the time for like three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just one quick story, which um, I would like to share with you guys. It's it's kind of out of the ordinary for me, but this year I think you guys know has been somewhat out of the ordinary. Uh, I didn't physically go to uh, church this Christmas uh, to celebrate Mass. I actually chose to do it online. And I did not do it with our home parish. I did it with a place called uh, Church of the Nativity down in, in Maryland. And it was Christmas Eve, 4 o'clock Mass. Now, one reason that I chose to, quote-unquote, attend the Mass is because they actually invited me, um, which is neat for a church to do. And I think that's what we have to do is invite others to, to do something like this, uh, the fellowship we're enjoying today with the Gospel. But uh, number one, they invited me. And you, you can't teach others about Christ. You can't bring them in to develop that relationship with Christ unless you invite them to the faith things that you do um, either in groups or by yourself or whatever it might be. And then 
it was it was a great mass. I love the sermon. Uh, they do they do things differently at that mass, but um, it was a really nice mass in the sense that how you focused on Christ, whether it be the sermon, the singing, et cetera, et cetera, the music. And I was surprised. I was not expecting this, but um, they sent me an email after mass was over. And this relates to what we're talking about right now in terms of we can all enjoy this and just, you know, hang out here and not spread the word. But I think it's important that we reach out and invite others um, to Jesus Christ. And so this is I'll just read just some of it uh, in terms of what they sent to me. So the heading is Welcome and Merry Christmas from Nativity. And it says, Hi, Tom. Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for joining us for Christmas Eve Mass online. And she tells me who she is. I wanted to take a moment to let you know about a couple of things that might help you connect with our church. And then she gives uh, a bunch of examples, which I thought was pretty cool because I'm like two hours, no traffic from where they are. But but they're inviting me to either come in person or if um, you live too far away to to join them for for mass on uh, on a given weekend. I also wanted to let you know that we offer weekly small groups. Now, I already know about this, but it's kind of cool to be invited from some other church uh, to be part of their small groups. Now, this is going to sound mind-boggling, guys, but when I spoke to somebody from Nativity a week or two ago, I thought I knew how many groups. They, they actually have over 100 small groups. I was blown. I'm like, wait, you just said 100, didn't you? And he's, and which, which is really cool. I mean, us right here, this is a small group, you know, in terms of, reading the gospel, talking about Jesus, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they asked me for uh, to enjoy a cup of coffee, which is kind of cool. I know we don't have that at our church, but uh, these quote-unquote newer churches have in the back after Mass, you can actually partake of like a coffee and a donut like every time they have a Mass, which is kind of cool. And um, get this, um, they actually say that if, if, if you cannot join us in person, they're actually sending me a Dunkin' Donuts gift card to enjoy a coffee from from a distance. I'm like, whoa! So, 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 what's my point? My point is, is that this is pretty cool stuff. Is the fact that somebody from some church several hours away from Lower Bucks County is inviting me to participate in small groups, their masses each weekend, and I think that's pretty cool. I, I think that's what we have to do. Uh, Thomas, you, you, you're, you're more or less saying, I mean, I mean, you have the keys to the Hartman room, correct? Jim Hartman room. Well, I, I was thinking, I was thinking more of along the lines of this St. Paul Street evangelization stuff that I'm going to be trying to be doing at some point. Of, uh, uh, it's not going to be directly uh, through through the church, but it will be, you know, to try to you know, reach out to people and stuff like that. But uh, it's taken me a long time to, I, I don't know takes like persistence and stuff. I'll be, I'll be happy <laughs> if in the next couple of months I'm, I'm ready for it. Well, could we do that at the, at, at, in the, in the Deacon gym room on the off weeks of the mass group for, for a place? We, we've had permission before. I can always, I can always ask just to make sure it's okay with. Cause if it's, if it's okay. Well, there's that new person there now. So that would be okay. Or like it used to, uh, yeah, I don't know. The yeah. pastor? Uh, uh, yeah, well, I thought it was like the, the building operations person. Uh, I don't know. Oh, oh, yeah, that's when I, I, I was trying to get the key in that person, and it was like a, a major upheaval to get us the key to open up for that one men's group when yeah, Vince okay. wasn't there. I, I have one because before our current pastor, Father Solomon, I sent him an email. Long story short, he gave 
need permission to have a key because of the situation with Vince where, when he couldn't make it sometimes. Just so, just, why not? All, all it is, is, it's asking, listen. But also, we could have it here in this place. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But oh. you're saying other men besides us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, it would have to be there. Yeah, and, and, and Keith, if, if, if Keith wants people to meet here, that's fine. Or if you have the key, you could meet there in the in, in the G, just just a place to go for his uh, evangelization. Of course, it's okay. Yeah, you know, and, and, and it could be all all in one. You could have your your evangelization. What's your what's your what's your your outlook for that, Keith? What 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 do you envision? Uh, I'm still working on it. Okay. Yeah, but but I'm thinking while you're still working on that and stuff, and while Tom has the he's encouraging us to you know reach out and just you know is uh, to, to to allow others to come in. And I often thought that that the, the, those the, the two off weeks where the men's group meets on the first and third, well the second and the fourth, with no commitment, where you know you could you could show you could not show or whatever. But to, to, to have that space available for something like this, for an extended fellowship, for your street evangelization, uh, it, it, it could be all incorporated into, to, into that. There's so many things you can do on the days we don't meet for men's face sharing. There's so many things we can do. Well, that, that, and at that time slot, like the 9 o'clock time slot. As long as people know what we are doing and what it's for. Yeah, well, and 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 basically, it would it's, it's like... You know the, the the is it the Saint Paul Saint Paul Street Evangelization Key? Is that what it's called? Oh, yep. Yeah. Well, how about if 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 you, you know, I, and and again, you know, you often thought about, oh, where are you going to set up? How are you going to do this? Well, you could set up right there in the in, in the Hartman room, and and, and with with the, the power of Thomas here that has the key to uh, you know open up to open up that space, you know, on on, on the offshoot times. You know that 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 might be something. Yeah, and just um, I mean, I would get permission because it's not our place, but I would think it would be okay. But I'll I'll find that out. And getting back to one thing Keith mentioned, because um, I don't know if he's frustrated, but but I I get frustrated with where you start something and it just takes time. Yeah, it's 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 something that's going on and on and on. So the the one thing that has helped me, I and I'll I'll go more into detail maybe later in the middle of next year, but there's something I've been working on since June of 2017, which I think is going to come to fruition next year sometime. And um, the thing that helps me is uh, on given days, this big idea I have, I just sometimes set it aside and say, I, this is too much for me to look at this today. I, I've even taken, I think at the most two weeks off from this big project I've been focusing on. And, um, uh, so that's one thing that helps me is to set it aside and just not, you know, just do some other things. Number two is uh, pray. <laughs> pray. Pray a lot uh, in terms of that, that things will work out for you. And, um, I mean, Christ had much of this when he was around. He still has much of it with each one of us is you have to have patience, which I sometimes don't have. But I have to realize that you have to be patient for some things to come to fruition and it, it's frustrating because when you work on something, whatever it might be in terms of something related to your faith, you sometimes feel like it's not benefiting anybody. But the one, the other thing that's helped me is, uh, it goes back to that poem I mentioned to you guys in Men's Face Sharing, is the Starfish poem, where if whoever's listening to this, if you don't know the poem, 
there, there's a there's a boy walking on the beach with thousands of starfish on the beach. If you know nothing about starfish, they cannot survive unless they're in the ocean. And from a distance, this man sees him, just wondering what he's doing. The kid picks up a starfish, throws it in the ocean, and uh, he walks a little bit more, picks up a starfish, throws it into the ocean, walks up a little bit more, and the guy comes up. He says, "Kid, what are you doing?" He says, "You're not you're not making a difference, you know, at all in terms of what you're doing." Kid doesn't say a word. Kid walks a little bit more, picks up a starfish, throws it in the ocean. He says to the guy, I just made a difference in the life of that one. And that's what helps me is the fact that sometimes I want to help like 20, 50, 100 people at once, but I know that that's not going to happen. It might be I have to benefit just one person today, and that person might be just you, <laughs> you know, to reach out to that one other person. And then have it spread from there. But getting back to what you said earlier, Mark, there's just four of us here. Let's assume that each one of us reaches out to one other person. And they reach out to one other person. Do the math. I mean, that those groups get bigger and bigger, you know, each and every day. Well, well, like I always said, I, I would I would more than glad to be willing to on the off days. Like, I, I enjoy going to the men's group, show up there, whatever. And now on the off weeks, even on a Saturday morning, to show up there and incorporate Keith, whatever he says, to, you yeah, know. Yeah, well, hopefully, uh, you know, uh, by the time we all get vaccinated and stuff, we'll uh, we'll be ready to yeah, that's the key, do yeah. stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. But, uh, it's, it's patience. You have to have patience with this thing that's going on. I was going to bring it back to the gospel. I was going to read a bit of this, like, sermon that uh, uh, from this book about about that gospel reading. It says, uh, so, uh, Mary and Joseph are obliged to follow the dictates of the Jewish law in regard to their firstborn son. Because children are a gift from God, ultimately they belong to God. The Jewish law prescribed a ritual by which parents could acknowledge this truth. They would offer God a gift in symbolic exchange for their child. This is what St. Luke refers to when he writes that Mary and Joseph consecrated Jesus to God. This ritual is also related to the Passover when God slew the firstborn sons of Egypt, but spared those of Israel. After giving birth, women were, were required by Jewish law to wait for a specified amount of time before they could appear in the temple or participate in any religious ritual. Once the time had elapsed, they rejoined community worship by offering two sacrifices. This is what the pair of turtle doves was for. This requirement reflects the religious value that God's people have always put upon a human life, a way of acknowledging the sacredness of life. When a woman gave birth, she was participating intimately in a mystery that touched God directly, since he was the creator and sustainer of all life, most, most especially human life. Since the Jews believed that all men and women were created in the image of God. So it was appropriate that she remain segregated from normal activities immediately afterwards. Christ's submission to these religious laws shows that he verifies the reverential view of human life that they reflect. Every child, every human life is a gift from God. Participation in the mystery of God's infinite power and unwearied love. We cannot own nor govern the life of an individual person, even those of our own children. 
Jesus is pro-life because he is the author and protector of life, of each of our lives. That's pretty interesting. Very nice. <laughs> perspective on things, especially with children and life. Are they? Uh, I don't know. For some reason, I also thought that uh, the women, uh, they need, because the beginning of the gospel mentioned, uh, according to the, you know, the purification, the women, after giving childbirth, they had to like be isolated for, I think it was eight days or something like that, they had to be isolated. And uh, there he describes it as in relation to the mystery of, of giving birth and giving life. But um, I also thought it was related to, um, uh, like, whenever, uh, like, I don't know, I, like, I thought it was actually also related to the, like, un uncleanliness. That it was like, you know, when, when uh, I don't know, I, I, don't, I don't know much about the Jewish laws. That's what I thought it was. Is that a rat? Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. You guys want to want to say an air Well, I mean, um, I was going to say that um, before the uh, taping here at the um, nine thirty mass, uh, there were only sixty people in attendance, and there was a whole section that only had three people. Um, so there were uh, about fourteen or fifteen benches that were completely empty. Or you know, what is probably would, would be considered to be the main um, mass on Christmas Day and you know any particular Sunday. And um, um, I think that um, certain people who go to church on a regular basis, um, especially if they're uh, middle-aged and don't have any uh, health issues, um, should be making more of an effort to, uh, to go to um, the mass in person. Uh, to me, it was just very disappointing that there were only uh, 60 people. And uh, I'm, I'm not sure about what the attendance was for the 1130. Uh, I would imagine that the 730, which is, that's that's for the old timers in the parish who always want to go to mass at 730 and have their traditional uh, Sunday. You know, it's always been so I think that, um, but really, I mean, you know, you can, you know, figure out why why there are not more people there, but ultimately it falls back on the individuals or the individual families where the father should be the leader, where where there should be more of a uh, should be more of an, an well, effort. I mean, I don't know. We don't know what's going on this year with like the pandemic and stuff. Uh, like you know, I guess the litmus test will be once uh, once the middle of the year passes. Hopefully the attendance will go back to, to where, where it was. And then hopefully beyond that, um, efforts to get more people to attend mass in person will be uh, fruitful and then the attendance will uh, go up. You know. I mean, there's a, there, there are so many things you can do uh, no matter what church you are, whether you're Catholic, Presbyterian, Baptist, doesn't matter, but the main focus is Jesus Christ. We know that, um, who he is, what he did for us. But we can talk about that some other time. Even what Mark's talking about on the days we don't meet in the men's face sharing group, 
it's, it's, it's not going to be a quick fix in any church once this whole pandemic is done. Uh, it, it's not. It's, in my opinion, it's a generational thing. I think it has to take place over a number of years for, I think, people to think differently about their faith. Um, you guys know our society the way it is, the way people think, uh, how they feel about stuff, this, that, and the other. I mean, some people, it's a, it's a me, it's an I. Uh, generation, uh, but that's we we know that's not what life is all about. Um, but that's some other day we can talk about those things. There's a lot of reasons why people aren't going, whether it be the virus and um, a lot of people have fallen away from from the church, no matter what denomination you are. And there are many, many, many things that you can do to bring people back. Look at the one carrot this church two hours from here did to, did with me. They don't even know me. And they're inviting me to, to attend in person, to attend a mass virtually. They're sending me a nice little card to enjoy a coffee at my home. <laughs> so that's one of many things I think any church can do is the invitation. Small groups is big. is big, But the biggest thing is the importance of the mass as Catholics. That's the most important thing. We have to help people, not tell them, but we need to help people why the mass is so important. Um, but you have to figure out what that carrot or carrots need to be to bring people back to, to, to attending Mass every Sunday or Saturday evening. All right. So we are going to have to wrap it up now as we're getting short on time. Um, you want to, We'll just end it with a Hail Mary in honor of the Blessed Virgin Mary giving birth to Jesus yesterday. <laughs> uh, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you all for Thank you. Uh, being here. Appreciate it. It was, it was very nice. Any any word on you getting your vaccine? 